Welcome to the Alight on Wellbeing podcast series. As life at home and at work converge, employee well-being has never been more essential to maintaining high-performing organizations. At Alight, well-being is at the heart of how we operate and serve our clients. We believe in the connection between a healthy mind, body, wallet, and life, grounded in inclusion, so that all employees live their best life at home and at work. We're glad you could join us today to learn the latest and greatest on employee well-being. Let's get started. Welcome to the seventh installment of the Alight on Wellbeing podcast. My name is Matt Bragstead, and as you know, we have we have hit so many major topics over the last uh, six podcast. We've talked about specifically product and vision from an Alight perspective. We've done very timely things tied specifically to open enrollment. We've talked about broad topics like uh, social determinants of health and how we're bringing those in. But today is probably the day that you are going to solve all of your problems, right, Joffrey? All of their problems are going to be solved today because today we're talking about AI, which we all know right. is 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 the gift from the aliens that are here to solve all of our problems. Uh, so with that, I am joined by one of my favorite uh, teammates from Alight. Joffrey, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Um, I, I wish AI was the silver bullet that we all hope it is. Unfortunately, it's not. I joined Alight a few months ago looking after uh, Alight's AI personalization and some of our data and analytic capabilities. Um, by way of background, I come at this from product leadership and data science leadership of, of large-scale AI and data systems. So previously was at Bloomberg, product managing the team that processed 20 billion ticks of pricing information coming in per day and streaming to financial players across the globe. And was also part of the team that built a large personalization system for a consumer goods company that, that produced between 200 and 300 million incremental gross profit every year for them. So love large-scale AI, love large-scale data, and was incredibly excited to join Alight to put all these things to power for good. Right. I think the, the things that Alight does together with our clients, which is driving great HR outcomes, improving people's well-being, is such an exciting mission. And I was so thrilled to join and, and power, right, use AI, the power of AI, the, the silver bullet, we hope it is, to advance those things and haven't been disappointed. It's been wonderful being here and, and working with our clients to solve these problems together. Yes. And for those that have never met you, Joffrey, you, to me, you're like my steampunk evil genius, not evil, genius <laughs> for good. You are the man behind the curtain and it's and it's fantastic. We get you on the podcast today. So some people see AI almost like the eye of Sauron. It's always looking, it's always aware and it's very mm -hmm. scary and it's and it's intrusive. I think other people see it as a way to get rid of, you know, administrative tasks, remedial tasks. So talk to us a little bit about, just at a kind of a top line, you know, talk a little bit about AI and, and where you think it is in terms of, of clients, people, things that they should be afraid of, things that they should be excited about, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing to level set, and I always say this in my first conversation with our clients as a way to, to bring down a bit the, the temperature in the room and, and the anxiety around this topic is AI is software. It's complicated software, but at the end of the day, it's it's no different than software. You know, it's ones and zeros. And that means that if you feel comfortable with software, if you feel comfortable handling the risks around software, you're going to be comfortable with AI. It, it's new, right? It's a little bit new. It takes some familiarity, but fundamentally, it's it's just software. And at Light, we invest in software and we invest in AI for three reasons. We do it, one, to create an excellent employee experience for our clients' employees. Two, we do it to enable our HR clients to manage that experience and drive their HR outcomes. And lastly, we do it to provide excellent ongoing service to our clients and, and, and their employees. 
And so we, we invest in software for those reasons. We invest in AI for, for those reasons as well, uh, across a wide variety of use cases. Um, and we're, we're very thoughtful about where we apply it. And I'm, I think later in the podcast, we'll talk about places we don't think AI makes a lot of sense to apply. But again, it's it's just software. Um, if you're comfortable with software, you should be comfortable with AI um, and, and rolling it out thoughtful and, and ethically and carefully. Love it. Um, I think that sets the ground for for everything else we're planning on talking about. So. So one of the things I was just at a, a fortune event for CEOs and AI was, as you can imagine, kind of mm-hmm. topic mm-hmm. numero uno. And and, a, and, a, and one of the things that they talked about at length is, is it's really not like any other software that we've experienced in that. Everything else you said is true, except for we can't unteach <laughs> it, right? We can't remove a line from a table somewhere to make it unlearn something that we've taught it. Can you talk about either that kind of why it's getting the bad rap, either through something like that or some of the other areas that in your mind it's being misused? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think AI, you can think of it as scaled intelligence, right? If, if if a reasonably smart person with a spreadsheet could do something, AI probably can do it as well. Um, and so that comes with a set of considerations, right? It's harder to unteach AI something if you've, you know, had, if you've put data into the model, Um uh, and, and people also interact with it differently as well, right? If you have a, um, you know, sort of a, an older version of a chatbot, for example, with some clunky responses, folks know they're interacting with software. When you have a chatbot with very natural fluid responses, sometimes they get confused or sort of take, you know, take the responses differently and more, in a more personal way, right, than if, than if they, they sort of knew very obviously it was software they were talking to. So there are certainly a set of, of things we have to be careful of there. Um, how, how we operate, how companies operate it's still a lot of the same governance procedures, right? If we, you know, if, if a company sends data they shouldn't send to a third party, they can ask the third party to forget it. It's sort of hard, to, you know, to really enforce that though. And it's the same with AI, right? If we're, if you're, if you're using large language models that are hosted by another company, for example, um, and you send it data to train, it's hard to, you know, you can ask the company to please, you know, take it out, but it's hard to know that it actually, you know, is it actually out of all the file cabinets that's set up in the AI brain? So, um, you know, again, got to be careful, but I, I think a lot of the considerations around AI are, are still, at the end of the day, similar to things you have to think about. Maybe not historically for software, but it, these are things that companies have been dealing with for, for a long time, and they just have to stay for, on point and, and keep being rigorous with controls. So if you were to say, what is one area that companies are applying AI in mass right now um, that they probably shouldn't be? Is there one or two areas that that you go, this is, I know you're trying to use AI to solve the number of re- resumes you have, for instance. And I think that's one I've heard you talk about before. That's I don't right. know if that's still your one, but, but, you know, is there one key area that they should not? Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later on in this discussion about what it takes to be a good and a responsible AI entrepreneur and how to bring AI use cases um, to your company, to your clients. One of the big things to be careful of is, is, you know, don't don't take high risk use cases. And what's a high risk use case? It's one where you are not comfortable with the model making a mistake, or you're unco- all models make mistakes the same way all people make mistakes. Um, at companies right now, we you know there are lots of hiring managers. A few of them are probably making mistakes, but it's sort of you know uh, at, at this point, it's sort of socially accepted that that happens. Once you centralize things like hiring decisions to an AI, right, and you start getting these mistakes that the AI is popping out, whoever created the AI is now responsible for those mistakes. 
And in the case of things like recruiting or performance management or talent management, there's a very real cost to those mistakes, right? It's one thing if Google's AI makes a mistake and maybe serves you an ad that's a bit mistargeted. It's a very different thing if there's someone who's not getting job opportunities or someone who is, you know, being flagged for poor performance when really they shouldn't be. Um, and so, again, um, that is an area where you've got to be so incredibly careful on how you're applying AI and how you're keeping humans in the loop there because the cost of mistakes is very high and yes. all AI makes mistakes and some of that responsible centralized around whoever implemented and created that particular AI. Yeah. An AI engine making hiring decisions is affecting every one of your hires where a bad hiring manager is affecting just the few. And I think that was the other thing that that has struck me in, in all the AI conversations I've been in is this assumption that AI is, is just technology and it's unbiased is, is laughable because it's, it's, it's if then statements at its heart <laughs> uh, which have been around since COBOL, and and ultimately those can be biased, which then can lead the bias through the entire engine. So we talked That's a lot right. about That's negativity. Right. I mean, Let's I'll say quickly, positivity. I want to add there, Matthew, quickly. I think oh, yeah. you know, be very careful, right? When when I, I've seen some claims in the market around saying this, you know, there's no bias in the in this algorithm, or we or it's bias proof. There's no such thing as a bias proof algorithm or AI. Mm -hmm. um, all AI makes mistakes, right, or sort of produces bad answers occasionally. Um, when those bad answers concentrate in certain populations, that's when you have bias. And, you know, if you think your model doesn't have bias, you just haven't found it. So oh, that's, that's what I'll, that's what I'll say about any, any of those sort of claims around bias-free models. There's always bias. You have to be comfortable, you know, applying AI into use cases where you're okay with, you know, um, having only a subset of controls in place for those sorts of things. It's an incredibly difficult topic. Yeah, I know there's lawsuits starting to perk up all over the place of exposing those biases at a at a grand level. But let's talk about the positivity there, right? Here we've got all gloom and doom. I just said AI isn't scary. So let's talk about instead about some of the things we can think about that AI engines can do for employee experience or overall well-being that, that you're excited about. Uh, and, and it could be stuff that we're doing here at Alight. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll talk through a couple of, you know, example use cases. Um, Things like personalization engines to help nudge employees towards better outcomes or, or nudge them towards certain HR outcomes, I think, is a, is a, it's a great use case, right? Sort of trying to nudge folks to contribute more to their retirement accounts to make sure they're ready for retirement, trying to nudge folks to, you know, um, use different benefit programs that employers have put in place. It's a great application of AI. We're only going to see them becoming more and more effective. So that's, you know, and we do that, to your point, at light. I think we generally see at least a 10% lift in uptake of programs whenever we're applying personalized nudges. So, you know, that's a, love that as an AI use case. Um, I think it's very relevant in the space. We also see a lot of use around what we call assistance engines. So this is self-service chatbots, or when you're calling into a call center, you may be able to speak to a menu, before, you know, instead of having to push dial one for X, you know, yeah. dial two for Y. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, sometimes folks, there are certain interactions where you do want to talk to a person, and but the vast majority of time, you know, it's late at night, it's on the weekends, it's simple questions that folks are trying to get answers to. And so we see such a huge potential already and going forward with generative AI um, to give employees um, so much more of a self-service experience for a lot of their questions and a lot of the things they're trying to grapple with. Um, related to that are things like recommendation engines, right? If you can do sophisticated modeling to help folks understand, hey, based on your past healthcare activities, what's the right health plan for you that's going to give you the lowest cost or the best you know, option of providers? Um, we, we love that as, as an AI use case because you're helping folks make more confident decisions and, and again, empowering those really important HR outcomes of well-being um, and high-quality healthcare. Um, and then also, you know, when we think a bit more operationally, 
Um, things like insights engines, right? I mean, you have employees who are using whatever the digital experiences are that you've created for them, um, these employee experiences. It's very hard to understand. Are the experiences working? Are there hotspots? Are there places that folks are getting stuck? It, it's a huge amount of manual effort. And so we're very excited about the potential for AI to help accelerate sort of figuring out and finding those employee hotspots in the employee experience to then obviously get in there and fix those and address those and, and make it a better experience. Um, and, and by the way, I think just to tease this a little bit, Historically, this is done via things like call listening, right, and sort of reviewing chat transcripts and reviewing feedback sort of manually. And, and with some of the large language models, you can now do things like really sort of at scale, understand those transcripts, understand the, the call logs, bring fuse them, bring them all together, and really get a complete picture of the employee experience, which is incredibly exciting and just hasn't been possible previously given, given you know, the scalability of that technology. And then lastly, there's, there's a lot of stuff that happens operationally using AI that we're also very excited about. So being able to process documents more quickly, HR is a very document-based um, yeah. field, right? And so how do you do things like process marriage certificates, birth certificates, right? You know, dependent verification, et cetera, much more quickly. Um, and also the other operational piece there, you know, there are still a lot of people in the mix, right? In call centers, for example, there's enormous potential to apply AI thoughtfully. Um, and so, for example, we do things there like the you know, call listening and sentiment analysis. Um, I think, you know, we, we would not be able to drive our 95% um, high-quality interaction rate in our call centers were it not for the fact that we can augment our managers listening with AI to listen and score calls and, and just sort of help managers get a sense for are people actually having great experience and they call into our call centers. So that's a flavor of some of the AI really excited about, we're investing in, and, and we see generally being applied across the, the HR landscape. Gosh. So, yes, it's worth all the scary to get to the, the promised <laughs> land that could be all of that administrative function that, that we, we can remove or at least move humans into more of the exception-based uh, interactions as opposed to just, you know, the, the trudgery. I'm going to use that word. Um, that's right. That's right. And there's no, there's no full automation, right? I think you always, right. Some conversations are just, they're complicated. They're difficult, right? Sometimes, sometimes employees need to go on leaves and it's a very sensitive topic as people get ready for retirement, right? They want sort of the human interaction and, and need some help really digging through, not just the, the numbers and the nuts and bolts of what a retirement looks like. And, and so I think what's exciting there is taking away a lot of the, you call it a sort of nuts and bolts drudgery. Let's let the AI and the software handle those things and save the people for the places where real emotion and real connection is so important to delivering a great experience. Gosh, that's bingo. Um, is that now, so just switching a little bit, I saw you presented HR Tech. There was like 200 people in the audience. So obviously it was a hot topic. People were excited to hear about it. And you mentioned some of the considerations. Is that one or do you have other considerations coming out of that that you think are, are is kind of on point for people to think about as they're thinking about their AI plans? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think this is, you're absolutely right. It's a very hot topic. Um, and um, and I think what we try to do at HR Tech was talk a little bit less about sort of the hype and all the excitement and also give, give a dose of reality, right? I mean, we we serve very large clients who have, you know, very, they, they expect us to be bringing best of breed technology. They expect us to be applying AI to the right use cases and to be successful in those things. And so, you know, I think we, we've started to sort of pattern match and get a sense for what are the things that really ensure that we're going to have a successful application of AI to a use case. And so the framing of the discussion was around how to be an AI entrepreneur within your company, right? Whether oh. it's bringing AI to processes you're running, or if it's bringing AI into a product you're trying to release to, to your customers. And we laid out five different considerations that are really important to think about as you're thinking, you know, as, you're, as you want to bring AI um, into the experience. And we, those were, one, picking the right area. Two, is resourcing appropriately and wisely. Three, we touched on this before, avoiding high-risk use cases. Four, is keeping humans in the loop. And then five, was measuring extensively. Um, and if I just talk through those quickly, 
picking the right area, right? Um, this is AI is not a silver bullet. There are some things it can do. There are lots of things vendors will tell you it can do that it actually can't, right? And so picking the right area, what it usually means really is calling a friend, right? Find someone that you know in IT and technology who actually understands this and can tell you, yeah, I think AI could solve this particular problem you're grappling with, or mm, I just, I don't think the technology is there. So that's pick the right area. And that really means phone a friend. Don't trust, don't trust vendors. Um, unfortunately, wish it was different, but that's the reality. The second one is resourcing wisely. Um, you really have to be careful here. If you're taking AI and applying it to a use case that other folks are doing, don't try to build it yourself in-house. Take a vendor, right? Don't, don't do these things. Don't, don't try to build a system that's going to be subscale. Um, one place where I think this applies a lot is call center technology, right? Like everyone, lots of folks have call centers, right? Use, use a standard vendor for these sorts of things because they're solving the same AI problem across many clients. That's a different answer that I give if you're trying to build an AI capability that's really market leading, where you say, listen, this is going to be an AI capability where we're going to be the best in the market. It's going to drive differentiation that you have to build in-house. And specifically, you're going to need full-time engineers on staff that are, that are building these things in-house, not even sort of outsourced contractors, because you're going to have to have folks there that really understand it and cannot just build the system, but can actually then sort of stay with it, nurture it, sort of, you know, yeah. take care do, do, do care and feeding for it. So th that's sort of this, the second point of resourcing wisely. Be clear on whether you should be going for an at-scale outside party or if you need to be investing in internal technology talent. The third one around avoiding high-risk use cases, I'll just quickly recap that again here. It's, it's really the AI will make mistakes. Whoever launched the AI system will be the owner of those mistakes because AI and software are, you know, philosophically about centralization. Um, all AI models have bias because there will be some way in which those mistakes concentrate in certain populations. So make sure that you are comfortable potentially owning any mistakes that the model will make down the road. The fourth point about keeping humans in the loop, right? This is uh, related to the first one. You have to design and think about your use cases with humans in the loop from the get-go. You always have to have a person watching an AI system. I've seen many instances and been burned multiple times by launching an AI system saying it's great and then coming back three months later to check on the results and going, oh my gosh, it's gone totally off the rails. The data's <laughs> gone bad. It's producing terrible results. It's actually costing us more money instead of saving us money. Don't let that happen to you. You have to think about these systems right from the get-go of, okay, who, literally, who is going to watch this thing? And what are the tools that are going to have to watch this thing? Um, because without that, it's, you know, the, uh, it will go off the rails. That, by the way, also introduces a higher cost than many folks anticipate for AI systems, um, which, you know, again, factor that in, right? If your use cases save a few bucks, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to be worth having a person watch it. And so you maybe don't even want to use AI in that case. And then lastly, this is, this is a really, really important one, is measuring extensively. If you are not measuring your model's outputs and you're not measuring the outcomes of your AI system, I guarantee you they're bad. Or they've gone off the rails in some way that you did not anticipate. So uh, you launch the thing, you say, great, it's, it's sending emails or it's surfacing recommendations or whatever it's doing, unless you're measuring it rigorously and saying, and what is the outcome and, and how is it going? Um, it, I promise you it, it's going poorly. Um, and then we had a longer discussion on this at HR Tech about what does measurement look like, A-B tests, et cetera. I did this rigorously and statistically. It's a larger conversation that we're not going to cover today. But I will just say re be really clear on what does the good model output look like, what does the bad model output look like, and then measure it rigorously because otherwise um, you will find that you're going off the rails and, and it's going to come back to bite you. So those are the five really important things to think about. Yeah. How to be an AI entrepreneur, and I find usually when I lay those things out, a lot of use cases folks propose tend to fall away because they realize AI yeah, systems actually are quite beefy. They require a lot of work, um, and so you know, again, pick the right use case, pick one where you are actually going to be delivering a ton of value. Oh, well, so pragmatic, so common sense, Joffrey. I think that's that's what people need. That's the help that they need when it comes to AI. So, yeah. thank you. 
Yeah, uh, and actually, so Matt Kyle, that... one last thing. I, you know, yeah, there was there's a question from the audience as well that sort of said, this is clearly someone, you know, I think we've all experienced this. We got bombarded by HR vendors who are saying, hey, this thing has AI. And the person said, how do I know it's real AI? Like, how do I know that? And I, and I said, that's an irrelevant question. If you're evaluating your product, it shouldn't matter really if there's AI in there or not. We should be looking at the outcomes you're driving. And is it yeah. actually driving the outcomes? Because that'll, again, right, it doesn't really matter, right? If, if, if the AI is not a part of driving that solution and driving those outcomes, it's not worth it anyway. And so to that question, it was sort of, look, it doesn't matter. Like, don't try to figure out, is it real AI or not real AI? Look at the outcomes that your vendors are actually able to drive for you. And that's that's the important question. And that's the point, again, about measuring extensively. So sorry, uh, I interrupted you, but I thought, no, that, no, I thought that was great. actually I was the just thing I wish I'd said during my talk. Final thoughts, anything else just to, to leave, to sum up all of this for folks? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say, I think, um, uh, be strong, right? Be inquisitive, be courageous. I think everyone is figuring this stuff out right now on the AI side. The, the space is moving so fast. Even practitioners who are deep in it get surprised by new developments. Um, and, and from our side, from the Alight side, we serve a very broad range of clients. Some are you know, really want to be leading in that AI journey. They want to be out there. They want to be adopting new cases quickly. Other ones are more conservative. They say, hold on, I want to sort of see other folks adopt first. I'm taking a more conservative approach with my employee data, with various things. I think, you know, we obviously as a light are there for both sides of that spectrum. Um, and I think it's okay, right, to be on both both of those sides. And so don't don't feel bad or insecure when you're in meetings and saying, hey, we want to be aggressive, or mm, we don't want to be as aggressive, right? I think that's okay. Um, everyone's on their own AI journey at their own pace. Um, the most important thing is to stay inquisitive, stay open-minded, um, and be strong in your convictions and, and what you are and aren't comfortable uh, in adopting in this space. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I know it's it's fun for me because this is like the fourth hype cycle for AI. It's always went by some other name. <laughs> and there will be more. <laughs> exactly. So people just have to remember this is another wave coming in, and you can either choose to get you know, run over by it or surf it a bit That's or right. float right. over That's the top right. of it and wait for the, yeah. the nice... I, I think at this that. point, I think at this point, we know that it's it's bigger and more important than blockchain was. Thinking about yep. past hype cycles, but but maybe not quite as important as the internet. But it's sort of it's somewhere <laughs> between there, right? So it's still that's coming pretty broad. That's a pretty broad range, right there, that's Joffrey, the hype cycles. Well, and that's the point, right? Stay inquisitive, keep learning, right? We're we're Absolutely. surfing the wave now, and so important to keep head on a swivel and and, and see what comes up. Oh, that was the perfect close. Thank you so much, Joffrey. Um, excited for uh, what we do here at Alight with AI. And actually, the next podcast is with our CHRO talking about what he is doing specifically on the owner side of the AI engine. So so that'll be a lot of fun to, to listening to these two together. Thanks so much, Joffrey. Everyone that's listening, have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for joining us for the Alight on Wellbeing podcast. Visit alight.com to learn more about how we're connecting work and life for greater well-being. If you like what you've heard, please give us a five-star rating from wherever you listen.